Uh, So John uh, chapter 21, and um, we're going to read verses 1 to 22. It's just some, we're going to pull out three really quick principles that will help us navigate uh, the months ahead. And this is when Jesus met with the disciples for the third time after he was um, resurrected. Okay, so if we can go on to the next one. No, that'd be great. Uh, John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. And this is the account we're going to read. Simon Peter and Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. I think he was just fed up and he wanted to do something. He wanted to go back and do what he always used to do. I just, I'm just going to go fishing. And they said to him, right, we're going to come with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, Oi, children, have you caught any fish? I like to think, when he said children, I like to think he's taking the mickey out of them. If I'm not, I just feel he was like, why else would you call them children? He'd say, Oi, boys, ah, what are you doing? Are we up there? Oh, there you go. Okay, right, yeah. here we go. He's taking, I think he might be, children, have you caught any fish? They answered him rather grumpily, no. He said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a 100 yards off. When they got out on land... They saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, a large, uh, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have some breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so were the fish. Now, this was the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you you know that I love you. And he said to him, well, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? And he said to him, "Uh, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to him, Well, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved and slightly annoyed, probably, because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Well, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress and carry you where you do not want to go. This, uh, he said, to show by what kind of death he would glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. That was the one who'd leaned against, back against Jesus during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? 
When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, well, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You just follow me. I really, I just, I love this. There is so much in this story. But I think there are some really, really interesting things that we can just draw out really quickly about how we can navigate, you know, the, uh, the months to come. The first thing is this. Um, all right, to go on to that. Yeah. That the disciples, they had to listen to Jesus before they'd be fruitful. I, I imagine that Jesus, that they didn't even know that it was Jesus who was on the, on the beach, did they? They were fishing away, had caught nothing. And then this person says to them, Oi, have you caught nothing? I, if I was the, I think, hello, I am, I don't mean to be funny, but I'm actually a professional fisherman. A bit awkward. <laughs> yeah. And then you're telling me to, to haul the net in and from one side and put it on the other side. Now, as far as I'm aware, boats on, on lakes don't stay still. What is the difference? Well, there's absolutely no difference. One slight breeze and the net goes under. And you're thinking, well, I'll tell you what, I'll wait till the breeze and then it will go underneath by itself. You know? And then there's the same fish under there. No, no, no. But no, Jesus said, no, no, haul it. Oh, for goodness sake. There. What was the difference? There was no difference whatsoever. It was nonsense. But when they heard Jesus and they took a risk because they still didn't actually know it was Jesus, came in. The, the nets were just heaving. They could not pull all the nets in. And I think we just, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, what is it precisely that Jesus has asked us to do? What precisely has Jesus asked you to do? And you think, well, I'll do it, but I'll I'll do it in a slightly different way. No. What is it that Jesus has asked you to do? And sometimes you think, well, I don't know. I I don't know. I just come to church and read my Bible. I don't know. Well, I just need to let you know that our our job is this. is simply to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That's what he wants us to do. And then he wants us to go and talk with our neighbours, and particularly our neighbours that are grumpy, and say the kingdom of God is near. Can I make a confession? This is a genuine confession. It was my daughter's um, 21st birthday last Saturday. And we had a party. My daughter's down in Brighton. She's doing musical theatre darling they're just they're so full of loveliness so they had a party at our house we've got we've got quite a big space they can all have a big party and it was quite loud you know and and we thought okay by 12 o'clock guys you, you must like turn it down okay so they did but they were still full of life okay a week later guess what we got a letter from the council <laughs> saying it had, a, it had a, uh, a complaint about noise and shouting. And I'm thinking, oh my word, Jesus, I really want to be, bring your kingdom. I don't want to get complaint letters. And I think, and then I spoke to my neighbour, and I said, oh, I can't, I don't believe this. I've just had, 
And they said, oh, thank goodness you've had one, because we just had one as well for a party that they had a little bit earlier. But my, my point of it is this thing. Is that, and so what I wanted to do was, there was some guy that I thought he might have, um, he might have complained, because he does complain about a few things. So I just thought, right. <laughs> Knocked on his door. And I just said to look, it's my daughter's birthday. If it was really loud, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm really sorry, we'll just try, you know. And he said, oh, it wasn't me. And I think, oh, thank goodness for that. <laughs> and I said, oh, and anyway, we, we still don't really, we still don't really know. But even in that moment, when you think that is acutely embarrassing, it never happened before in our lives to get, anyway, it is what it is, we own it. And, but I think even in that, my job, what Jesus called me to do, is to shine Jesus with my neighbours, as best I can, as best I can. To bring the kingdom of God. And you know, sometimes I think we worry so much about church. We worry so much about church, about are we going to get it right? All these things that are going on. And, you know, we might think, oh, what is happening in church? Why is all this change going on? And there are some people that, that used to be in this room would worship and now they're not in the room. And what is, what is going on? And we worry about church so much. And, you know, I just think Jesus would say to us, the one thing that I've called you to do is to bring my kingdom. Now, we listen to somebody. Our job, actually, is not to grow the church. Did you know that? That's not our job. Our job is to go out into the world and talk about Jesus with our friends. The trouble is that a lot of the time, I want to say, Jesus, look, I'll look after the church. I'll build the church. You save people. Until somebody really helpfully pointed out, very good, Duncan, but you've done a job swap with Jesus. Jesus said this, you go out and bring the kingdom, and I'll build the church. And sometimes we think that church is the be-all and end-all of life. Actually, no, church should be this place where we come together, and then we're scattered, and we think, oh, no, this is a, we're bringing the kingdom. Whatever your job is, wherever you spend most of your time, your job is just to shine brightly for Jesus. And then we come in, and we're thinking, I feel again, I feel encouraged to go and shine for Jesus wherever God's called me to be. Wherever it is, whether you're a carer, whether you're a scientist, whether you work in a school, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Your job is simply to shine for Jesus. That is when I think we become fruitful. When we hear what Jesus has said to us. And then these disciples, they think, okay, we stuck the net on the other side, we'll pull it all back, and then they become abundantly fruitful. I think that is when we become abundantly fruitful. I think for us at Trinity, I I, really categorically say, when we understood that, it transformed the church. It is not our job to build the church. That is not, Jesus said he would do that. Our job is simply to shine brightly in the community, in whatever God has called you to be. Wherever God has called you to live, whatever sphere of influence, just, shy, just take Jesus with you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and see what God does. The second thing that I want to just mention is this. Is that Peter was just so determined to be with Jesus. He couldn't wait the hundred meet. You think, come on, Peter. He was obviously, he was known to be slightly the impatient. Just give us a break. But he just thought, no, wow, and he just... He just jumped into the water. I can't wait for the 100 metres it takes to get from this boat to there. I'm just going to get in the water and swim. I want to be there first because I think it might be Jesus. He was just totally abandoned. 
And, and I, I, trust, I just want to be like that. I don't want to abandon all my friends and make them do all the hard work. You know, like, yeah, you can just sort all that. Like. But I do want to be the first person that says, I want to worship Jesus. I want to start my day listening to Jesus. I want to start every day not reading my Bible because it's some textbook, because I want to read my Bible because I'm, I just believe that he might speak to me in it. And he might guide me and show me how to bring the kingdom of God wherever I am. You know, I, I, am, I am totally in awe of musicians. And when these guys led worship, it, where, are, where are they? Are they? It's just amazing. And you're thinking, oh, we're just doing this. But yeah, it's a ma- I am t- I just let you know, I am sub-musical. Yeah, you didn't know that was a term, did you? But it is. It's a term because when I was at school, well, there must have been about 60 boys that took musical exams on one, like, in one term. There was only one <laughs> that failed his musical exam. Grade four trumpet didn't make the cut. <laughs> I'm sub-musical. I don't really know how you do it. I mean, it's just like bewildering. And you're thinking, we love it when they're coming and we worship. And we ha- but you just need to know that music isn't worship. It's not. As amazing as it is, and it's extraordinary how it is. But that is not, that's not worship. Worship is a heart that is turned towards Jesus. So, gee, I just want to hear what you are saying. And then these guys come along and they just whoosh and they give us encouragement. And they say, yes, go and do it. Look, I'm going to worship. You come and worship with me. But I want to be like that. I want to be with Peter. I want to be the person that just knows that all things make sense in Christ. I want to know that, I don't know, Jesus has opened the door for my eternal security. When you came and shared something at the beginning, and you just said, oh no, this is it. God's given us eternity with him. And how do you do that? How do you develop that love of worship? I think you've got to win some battles, in the, some quiet battles in the admin of your life. <laughs> what you do at home, what you do on your own, what you do first thing in the morning, what you do last thing at night. How do you read your Bible? How do you pray? How, how quick are you to come and be in worship? All of those sorts of things. Make some good choices. Be the first to be prayed for. Anyway, all right, we're going to carry on. Yeah. The third thing is this. That's great. Jesus just focused Peter on what his calling was. And then he asked these three questions, these slightly frustrating questions. But it's interesting. If you read those questions and just put the emphasis on a slightly different word, they, they have a whole new meanings. He's just saying, no, Peter, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to care for people. I just want to encourage you not to waste your life doing the things that God hasn't called you to do. I met a guy in prison two weeks ago. 23 years of his life has been in prison. He was originally sentenced to 12 years, and then he just was an idiot, in his own words, in prison. He just kept. And then he read this book by, that's from CWR, and it says 40 Stories of Hope. And he read it, and, um, and firstly, I was walking down the wing in Pentable Prison, so I worked there as a volunteer chaplain one, one morning a week, just walking down the wing, and he said, oh, what are you? You know, as in, what job do I do? And always, I just said, I'm not telling you. 
and then just walked on. And he said, no, 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 tell me. I, I don't know why I do that. But, and then he said, no, no, tell me. So I'm not telling you. You guess. I'll give you three guesses. And if you get it right, I'll tell you. So then he went through all sorts of other guesses. And, and then at the end, he said, mm, you chaplaincy. Yeah, you are. He said, oh, I wanted to talk with somebody from chaplaincy. I've been reading this book, 40 stories of people who've been banged up for a long, long time. And they found hope in Jesus. Do you think that if they found, out, found hope, I could find hope? You're thinking, yeah, Paul, you can. Wasted his life. And he said, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think sometimes we, you know, we can waste our lives. And I think, find the thing that God has called you to do. What uniquely has God gifted you to do? That's where you'll be fruitful. That's where you'll find the real joy. That's where you'll see fruit in, in extraordinary abundance. What's the illustration that the Bible uses most to talk about the church? The body. All these different bits. We're all, the, we're all different. We've all got different parts to bring. And then the bit that I often don't read in here is when Peter was talking with Jesus... And they're finishing this chat when, Peter, when Jesus says to Peter, look, Peter, this is the unique calling that I've got on your life. And then Peter says, yeah, but what about him? <laughs> Not so sure about him. I think you prefer him to me. <laughs> Not so sure about that. And Jesus said, why are you worried about him? Why are you comparing yourself to him? Stop it. Just stop it. You follow me. I just thought, it was so liberating when you see it because you think, how many times do we get into this place where you think, well, it's okay for them. It's okay for them. They've, you know, they've, I don't know, they just seem to, life seems to be a breeze for them. Why do those people get all the breaks? Why can't I look like them? Why can't I be like them? Why can't I have their brains, their social skills. Why can't I have their, their life experience? I just need to let you know, comparison is a killer. It will destroy you. It will destroy you. Because no matter how good you are, there's always somebody that's a little bit better. And not only will it kill you, it is profoundly ungodly. Because Jesus says this, I made you, I didn't make a mistake, I know who you are, and I want you. Not some dodgy sort of like copy of who you think you should be. I want you, and I want to change you into being more like me, not more like somebody else. I think we're done with time. Just know what, try and find out what God's called you to do. Ask somebody else, what are you really good at? Find out what what God has gifted you to bring to the party. So, over the next few months, as we make this transition, as we begin to partner together quite strongly with Trinity and KCC together, working together, what are we going to do? Let's be obedient. If Jesus speaks to us, let's be obedient to what he's called us to do. Let's be the people that just run to Jesus, run to worship, in a meeting like this, just be full of exuberant and passionate praise. Be the ones first thing in the morning. And then thirdly, 
Focus on what he's called you to do, not on what he hasn't called you to do. And I believe that that, you know, that rainbow that, we, that I saw over the A1, I, just, but I almost want to like prophetically speak over you. God has called you to be abundantly fruitful. Fruitful beyond what you compare. Uh, there was a while ago, I just thought, God, I don't want to just sow seeds. I want to be fruitful. And I feel God is calling you today to be a fruitful, fruitful church that would see many people saved in Hatfield and beyond.